You're listening to Precious on Community, a Seedcamp podcast. All right, everybody, we are back with the next episode of Precious on Community, the space where we speak with leaders in the ecosystem to figure out what works and what doesn't when it comes to building community. Today, I am super excited to welcome David Spinks, community veteran with over like, what is it, 13 years experience? Uh, David is co-founder of CMX, the community for community professionals, VP of community at Bevy and author of The Business of Belonging, How to Make Community Your Competitive Advantage. Firstly, welcome, David. Thank you. So happy to be here. Before we kick off with, you know, questions around your incredible career and your brilliant book, which because I'm in the UK, I've only actually managed to read the first chapter, but I've got it on pre-order, so it will be arriving uh, very get there soon. Yes. I have an icebreaker question for you. Uh, and okay. I'm pretty difficult since you know so much about community but can you first tell me about a community you admire that you did not build that's always a hard one for me <laughs> I find that community <laughs> professionals so rarely participate in other communities um, because we just spend mm. so much time in our own communities but w- one that I really love is called Tech Ladies uh, started by Allison Esposito Um, And I got to actually participate in some of their earliest events, even though I'm not, I don't identify as a lady, they still open up those events and community to others. But it's all focused on giving women in tech a space to find community and connection and belonging and support each other, help them get better jobs, negotiate better salaries, get raises, promotions. And, um, and Allison's just done such an incredible job of building that community from the ground up. She started it around the same time I started CMX. So it's been okay. about, I think, seven years. And she just puts her heart and soul into it every day. So uh, that's a really incredible community. Thanks for sharing that. I'm sure it's one that people will check out. So I guess I obviously gave a little bit of a brief overview of what you do today. But can you tell me about your community building journey to date? Like, how did you get here? Yeah, I'll try to give give the brief brief version of it. Um, but I mean, it goes back to middle school. Uh, I, I struggled to find belonging in person. Uh, both my parents are immigrants. So we moved to the US. I was born a, U- a year after they moved here. And so we didn't have a, an established community. We were, you know, different from the people around us. And so from an early age, I had to kind of learn how to find belonging when it didn't come naturally and, and struggle to find belonging a lot in my local community. So yeah. I turned to video games like a lot of middle schoolers did and got very into playing Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 4 was like my game of choice and ended up launching the forum that became one of the largest forums for that game. And so in middle school, I was like managing, right. uh, co-managing a really large online community. And that kind of inspired my awareness of tech and how it could connect people and, and how you could find connection through technology. And so I just became an early adopter of just every tool I could get my hands on and started writing about it and um, sharing kind of what I was learning uh, when I went to college. And so I went to college for a business and everything they were teaching us in the business school felt very outdated, especially in like marketing. It was all like traditional marketing and direct mailings and things that just like 
didn't seem relevant to me. And yet there was this whole movement of online community and social media tools that we weren't talking about. So I started writing on a blog about that. And then when I was looking for a job out of college, a startup happened to read my blog and asked me if I would be their community manager for the summer. And so my very first job was a community manager. And this was back when there weren't a lot of community managers. The ones who did work in this space were mostly focused on gaming. Um, and so, you know, doing community management for a brand just like wasn't really a thing yet. So I just kind of had to kind of figure out how to do that work on my own. Slowly started meeting other people doing that work, connecting, building a community of community builders and finding other people who were like also doing similar kinds of work. Co-founded the communitymanager.com with Jen Petey and Brett Petersell as a space to just start writing about it and giving others a space to write about it and just kind of loosely connected community. And over the course of my career, I basically took on different jobs as director of communities or consulting with different companies like Le Web, which was the largest tech conference in Europe for a long time. Uh, Udemy, which is one of the largest online language learning platforms that helped both of them build their community programs. Started a couple companies of my own because I've always been very active in the startup world and always wanted to be an entrepreneur mm -hmm. and always had a big community element to the businesses I started. Um, and then that kind of culminated into starting CMX seven years ago. So I was winding down my last startup and had always wanted to do a conference for this industry for community professionals, because I thought that there would be a big industry of community builders. And I, I really believe that this was the direction that business would go. Um, mm -hmm. But people still weren't taking community management seriously. They still saw it as a very junior level thing. They would hand it off to the intern who would handle all social media and community management and marketing. It just like wasn't taken as like a role that should be having a seat at the table and yeah. be taken seriously. And I was hoping that, well, if we could launch a conference that felt very premium and highly produced, you know, that could really increase the status of the industry as, as a whole. And maybe businesses would start taking it more seriously. So we started CMX Summit and I started with my friend, Max Altschuler. He handled all the logistics. I handled the marketing. We put together that first event in six weeks, uh, which is absurd. I asked like 10 people if they would speak that I trusted and I thought would be incredible speakers. And they said, yes. And so we put them up on a website and started selling tickets. And we didn't have a venue yet. We didn't have caterers. We didn't have anything yet. We just started selling tickets to see if like, all right, can we validate that this is a need? If, if like, 10 people bought tickets and no one else, we probably just would have refunded them. Um, <laughs> but um, it worked. We had 300 people come out from all over the world. Yeah. And, um, and it was like putting people in a room who every other event they've been to, they were always the outsider, the community manager at the marketing events. No one yeah. understood what they did. They'd have to explain what community was over and over and over and over again. No one understood it. No one valued it. And then all of a sudden they were in a room filled with people who understood it, believed in it, valued it. It just gave them a sense of validation and purpose and made them feel like, all right, this is a real career that we can pursue. For me, that was a huge life-changing experience and career-changing experience for me because it really felt like I found my purpose was to build this industry and to help the people who are doing this work. Um, support each other and grow in their careers. And so now I've been running CMX for seven years. Um, we were acquired two years ago uh, by a company called Bevy that 
powers community events for lots of different big brands. Um, we've hosted 10 conferences. We're about to do our 11th. We have 60 chapters around the world run by local community leaders. Uh, we publish training and education and um, our mission is to advance the community industry and help community professionals thrive. So we spend every day working on programs that help achieve that goal. I, th I think everything from CMX to the book, like everything I do is kind of with that mindset of how do I make the path easier for the next generation of people who are doing this work so they don't have to learn things the hard way and you can start from a much higher level than I had to start 13 years ago. I get that. Speaking of making the path easier then, we can kind of jump into the, the meat of what we came to talk about, which is the book and the content that you've got out there. And the thing that I find so interesting about this content that you share with the world is really your book is helping people understand how community is impactful for business and also making it clear to people that there is a distinction between that community as a cultural value and you know what it means to like build a community that has value for people but doesn't necessarily have business value and then community right. as a business operation there's a reason that entrepreneurs business owners should be taking account of community as as important to their business so can you explain to our audience like what is community as a business operation yeah yeah so that's spot on right there's a lot of companies that believe in community and have it as a value and talk about it a lot but they're still not necessarily investing in it as a community operation they don't necessarily have programs in place a team in place a strategy in place uh, understanding of how they can measure the business value and so it's important that we distinguish between this concept of community as an emotional value and an emotional concept, um, which we're all familiar with, right? Like we've all been part of communities. We've uh, hopefully felt a sense of belonging at some point in our life and connection and been a part of something larger than ourselves. We understand that. Um, but what does it mean for a business to invest in community and how can we define community in the context of business? And the very simple way that I like to explain it is by comparing it to an audience. Everyone, for the most part, understands how to build an audience. You, you create value, you, you help people, right? You entertain them, you give them value, you teach them something, and, and they follow you. And your audience grows and grows and grows. And that's largely how businesses have functioned since the Industrial Revolution, right? They create value and then people consume that value. So to build an audience, you help people. To build a community, you help people help each other. Hmm. And so it's a simple but fundamental difference, especially in the context of business, because it's basically saying that the business isn't just creating value that people consume. They are now creating a platform or a space for people to create value for each other. And you can apply that to any part of business, right? So like the support department, their job is to answer customer questions, right? You're Customers ask questions through email or they call in or however they, they send it in and your, your team answers them. Community-driven support is creating a forum or a space where customers can answer questions for each other. And as a result, you can exponentially scale the growth of that program because if you can only support so many people with your staff, but when you create an ecosystem, it's, it's actually unlimited how many people you can support. And you can apply the same thing to marketing, right? Like marketing is creating content and events and experiences for people um, with hopes that they ultimately become a customer 
community-driven marketing is empowering your community members or customers to self-organize events and experiences and spaces for each other. Which again, if you think about how many events you can host, you know, just as your team, you're going to be very limited by that, that resource. Whereas if you empower this network of people to self-organize events and you give them the tools and the playbook in a repeatable way, it's actually an infinite amount of events that you can be running. Yeah. So, so what are some examples of companies that are doing that really, really well right now? So one of my favorite examples is Duolingo. Um, so every, a lot of the things that Duolingo does is community driven. So Duolingo is a platform where you can learn lots of different languages. They have over a hundred different courses. Um, and so I can go on and learn Spanish, or Hebrew, or lots of different languages. And uh, they created a few of their first core classes, and then they opened it up to the community to contribute to create the rest of the classes. And, and so actually most of their classes now are created by content that the community members contribute themselves. And that's mm-hmm. how they've been able to scale up their classes and, and develop classes so quickly. And then they applied the same thing to their user engagement. They have over 300 million users. Um, You can only learn so much through the app because it's just teaching you translations and sentences. You don't actually get to practice your language and people wanna practice the language to become more conversational. And so they started empowering their users to self-organize events where people could come together on a local level and practice their language together. And with a team of three people, they're running at their peak 2,600 events a month. You know, it just shows you the scale that community can reach when you create a system that empowers people to co-create for each other. And that's all rooted in that fundamental sense of community, that emotional connection and that purpose that connects them. But once you have people that feel that sense of community, then you have an opportunity to give them power, give them autonomy and activate them to contribute and create something. And that's where you really see that exponential growth. Yeah, that exponential growth comes after a while, but it, it seems that a lot of companies still tend to do community badly, right? Yes. So we won't name any, but what no we're saying here is that, you know, it's not rocket science, right? But it is hard work. Where do you see community builders, especially like, if we're talking about early stage companies, where do you see them falling down most often? Yeah, um, sometimes it's just trying to go too quickly. Um, I made this mistake when I was director of community at Zarly. Um, we launched in 15 cities all at once for, you know, it was a marketplace. So people could uh, say what they wanted and then others can respond with offers like a reverse Craigslist. We launched in 15 cities at once. I had like 15 different local community programs and power user programs and online spaces and all this stuff going out on at once. And when you try to grow it too quick, quickly at first, you miss a really critical opportunity to create the foundation of community and figure out a model that works really well, that is repeatable, and then you can scale it. I think that's the biggest first thing is not to try to do too much too quickly, focus on one place or one group or one small cohort first and get it right. Get like the foundation of community and culture and belonging and make those people feel very special and connected and involved. And then you can build on top of that. And it's hard for startups who are trying to like get to a thousand community members very quickly because they're very gross, gross set minded. And they think of it as linear as like, well, we need to get 
linearly straight to a thousand as quickly as possible. Whereas uh, community works on more of an exponential curve, it compounds. So mm-hmm. you can start off with you know one city and then figure out what works there and then try it in two cities. And then once you figure that out, now try it in four cities. And then it goes to eight, then 16, then 32, then 64 and so on. And so you can see it, it can exponentially ramp up to a thousand and you'll get there quite quickly, but that you still have to start very small and focus and figure it out first. Um, I'll just share one quick example. One of my favorite examples is Nextdoor. Nextdoor is in like over 90%, I think, of neighborhoods in the U.S. right now. It's a community platform for um, local neighborhoods, for neighbors to be able to connect with each other. They started in one neighborhood. And I was just talking with Sarah Leary, the co-founder. She said they literally went to the housing board and pitched the local housing board on using Nextdoor for their community. Like, the most like grassroots hands-on thing possible. They voted, yes, let's give it a shot. They tried it, it was uh, in the, I think it was a Mountain View in the Bay Area. And then they literally went door to door onboarding people onto the platform, literally going to people's homes to onboard them. So this is something that does not scale. It's extremely time intensive and labor intensive, but think about how all those people felt when you know they were individually onboarded and think about how much they were able to learn by being that hands-on watching people go through that process and talking to them one at a time that's how you learn a ton that's how you create that like feeling for people that they're a part of something and they really feel important heard and involved and it's i mean it's the same thing for startups right it's the same exact thing do things that don't scale um don't try to scale your product before you find product market fit like be as hands-on as possible of figuring it out first and once you figure it out then you add the gasoline and you scale it up Mm. i guess founders will have competing interests in the sense that they want to build a community but also they're trying to find this product market fit and show that growth very quickly what's your advice on like how they can validate if their community is working from a business standpoint I mean, if you're an early stage company, you're building community no matter what, because the only way you're going to find that product market fit is by having these like one-on-one conversations, small groups, like talking to people, creating small focus groups, watching people use your product, sitting down for coffee with people and asking them lots of questions. You're building these relationships and it's very easy to then you build up, you build like even just 10 really quality relationships with people and then, and then invite them into a space that's shared with other, with the other people you built relationships with and say like, you're our founding members, you're our founding customers. Like, thank you so much for your support and being involved at this early stage. These are your early adopters. And that's how every startup starts ever. Like it starts with early adopters, the people who sign on to the platform while it's still a piece of junk that barely works or not even a product. It's just an idea with images that you walk them through, but they believe in you as a team. They believe in the concept and the mission and they want to be involved from an early stage. That's the community. You don't need a big forum. You don't need a big conference. You don't, you're not going to do a big support forum because who are you going to support? You don't have customers yet. You know, you don't need an ambassador program because what are they evangelizing? You don't have something that's working yet. All you need is just like a core group of people who care enough to show up and be giving you feedback and be involved in the process of finding product market fit. That's a really great community. You don't need anything more, more complex than that. 
Words of wisdom. I love it. I guess product is one of the ways in which people can think about like building a community, especially when we're talking about early stage founders. And this goes into the great model that CMX provides in terms of the spaces model, right? In terms of defining community business value. Can you break down some of like what the spaces model is? Yeah. So, I mean, I'll reiterate that, like, I think at the early stage of community of, of, of your company, rather, when you're like still pre-product market fit, you're probably not going to have a very elaborate community program, nor should you. For the same reason, you're not going to have an extremely elaborate marketing program on day one. Like you're just finding product market fit. Um, it's a very simple, straightforward, but very difficult goal. You just want to get people involved and have them care about it. That's your community. As you start growing and as you start you know, looking for opportunities where community becomes a much more practical part of the business and an actual department that needs objectives and goals. That's where you really want to understand, yeah, what, what is it that your community is driving? Because what a lot of companies end up doing is they start with that early adopter community and then they just keep growing it. And all of a sudden they have this community of people who are engaged, but to what end, right? Like you can just keep building engagement for the sake of engagement. You could host more events. You could keep building engagement in your online spaces, but so what? Um, how is it impacting your business? How is it helping you achieve your goals? If you don't have that, you end up just burning yourself out and burning the community out because it's just kind of like spinning its wheels with not going anywhere. And so we use the spaces model to help businesses understand the different objectives that community can drive for your business. And so SPACES stands for support, product, acquisition, contribution, engagement, and success. All right, I'll go through them each real quick. So support is what we talked about, like a support forum. You're creating a space for your customers to answer questions for each other. So if you get to the point where you have lots of customers and they're asking lots of questions and you're seeing your other customers organically wanting to answer those questions, awesome. Create a space for it. You can make it very simple first with a, Slack or Facebook group, something really simple. Over time, you're going to want a platform that's dedicated to uh, that kind of exchange, that, that kind of Q&A support-driven community platform. P is for product. Product is probably what you're all going to be focusing on when you're pre-product market fit. Um, it's about collecting feedback and insights that help you innovate and help you improve your product. So it could be a, a customer council that is a small group of customers that represent the larger customer base. And you bring them in to help you, uh, to give you feedback on the product, to help you make decisions, to have the voice of the customer involved in the direction of your company. Um, as you scale, it can also become a large platform where people share ideas and um, feedback, and then other customers can vote on those ideas and comment on them. So you get kind of a crowdsource view of what people want in your product. Acquisition, A, that's when your community is driving growth for your company. And so that can take the form of ambassador programs, like the Skim Ambassador program. The, the Skim is like one of the largest newsletters in the world. And the Skim Ambassador program is where they reward the, uh, their most active subscribers with like perks and benefits and gifts in exchange for them driving subscribers to, to the newsletter. And that's driven like 20% of their uh, subscribers is directly from that program. Um, it could also be chapter-based programs where you have local ambassadors or leaders who self-organize events and, and then new customers learn about your product through those events and experiences. So anywhere where you're building community um, could even be an online forum that's just like really popular for your topic. 
Um, and, and then when people come to your community, they end up learning about your product as well as a result. Um, so anywhere where you're driving growth pipeline, new users, new customers, new opportunities through communities acquisition. C is for contribution. That's where you're a platform business and you need people to successfully contribute to the platform. This applies to marketplaces, open source products, crypto, any collaborative consumption marketplace like Airbnb is a great example. You know, anyone can um, put up their homes on the platform. The users are making the product. It's a platform that's populated by the content that they add to it. And so their whole community program is dedicated to making those hosts successful. And they have 890,000 super hosts in their super host program, um, all dedicated to helping them successfully use the platform. Twitch is a good example. Wikipedia is a good example. GitHub is a good example. So anywhere where people are contributing the content that make the product what it is, that's contribution. Engagement is customer retention. And so you're building community with the intention of better engaging your most loyal customers, increasing lifetime value of your customer, increasing average, average contract value. Um, Sephora's Beauty Talk, a Beauty Insider, they changed the name now. It's just a forum for anyone to talk about beauty in general. And um, so that drives acquisition, but it also drives engagement. And they find that the people who are active on that community spend two times more than their average customer. And the, their power users on that forum are... 10, they spend 10 times more than the average customer. So they're seeing that like their most loyal customers are engaged through that community. Um, and then finally, the final S is for success. So whereas support is reactive of answering questions, success is proactive at teaching people how to use your product, how to use your tool or how to grow in their career. Um, and so you're creating community spaces that are driven by education, where they're sharing, users are sharing best practices. They may even be creating courses for each other. A couple of really good examples of that, like Salesforce Trailblazer community. They have a thousand chapters around the world. They surveyed their customers and found that, I think it was like 82% said that they got increased ROI out of using the Salesforce platform because of the Trailblazer program. So, um, so that's a really good example on B2B side. Um, Notion is a really great up and coming startup that's growing very quickly. It's a platform where you can create documents and tools and templates yeah. and they created the Notion Pros program. So their users can teach each other how to use the tool better, share their templates with each other, share examples. And, um, and so that helps people become more successful at using uh, their product. All right. So support product acquisition, contribution, engagement, and success. That's a amazing masterclass in ways in which I think not only to do community well but to define what a community does and then to be able to measure it because I know that one of the um, statistics that you shared recently was from the CMX community industry report and only 12% of community builders can actually quantify business value despite the fact that community is such a hot topic so yeah what would you say is the problem for community builders at this stage where it's like, why is it still so hard for them to articulate this for businesses? There's a couple of reasons. One is because they're not starting with a business objective in mind. And so when we design a community strategy with a business, we don't start with engagement, we start with business value. So mm -hmm. it, there's three levels to community strategy. It's business level, community level, and then tactical level. And so you, you need to start with a business level 
and you can use a spaces model to, to guide that. So you understand why we're building engagement, who we're focusing on, what platforms we need to use, what tools we need to use, and what metrics we're accountable to. In the book, I give you a table that has each area of the spaces model and three metrics that tie directly back to ROI for each area. And each one has different metrics. And so um, one is to start with understanding the business value. And two is to get focused. Um, I think too many times community teams and businesses try to accomplish too many of these objectives at once with community. Whenever I teach the spaces model, I, I always ask how many of these are you focusing on? And it's almost always three, four, five, a lot of people doing all six. And that's a big challenge because if you look at the metrics for each of them, they're different. They're different key objectives. And if you look at the spaces model, there's actually a different team in your company already who's responsible for that area, right? You have a success team, you have a product team, you have a marketing and acquisition team, you have a content and contribution team, you have a customer retention and engagement and customer support team. And so now if you're doing all of those or many of them, you're literally working on multiple teams that each have different objectives, that each have different key results. Each one of these programs can require a different set of tools and technology to make it work really well because a tool for a support forum is gonna look very different than a tool for uh, a product feedback or a tool for an ambassador program. Uh, and it's gonna be different members who wanna participate because someone who wants to answer questions on a support forum is gonna be different than a person who wants to organize an event. And so what ends up happening is the community team gets spread thin across all these different objectives, all these different outcomes, all these different tools. And then the day comes when, you know, at the end of the quarter, at the end of the year, they have to like point to, here's the measurable impact we had on the business. And, and they can't say it concisely because it's spread out over all these different things. And they were never able to really create a, a strong, well-oiled system for just one of those. And so that's generally, I think the best approach is to focus on one objective that you are going to make sure you can do really well and measure really well and get that system down. Once you have that down, then add another objective. But don't try to do them all at once because then you're not going to be able to give any one of them the attention it needs to be successful. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And I think it would help a lot of community managers in general, but also I think that it it helps when people with more experience like yourself share such wisdom you know with people who are coming into the community space now where especially for startups who don't necessarily have the budget although I'm sure that will change in terms of object in uh, objectives and priorities um but you don't necessarily have the budget for like a, you know a huge community consultant and do you know get in an intern to help with social media not realizing that they're stoking an audience rather than a community in the first instance really interesting and that I guess another question that I have is how do you see um I guess what are some of the best ways that founders or you know companies have converted their audiences into communities I think of for instance like uh, one of our portfolio companies, Hopin, which you know, is is a online events platform as well. They had a mm -hmm. lot of Hopin operators who were springing up and creating YouTube videos about like how to use Hopin to help people troubleshoot. And then suddenly, you know, you see some of them on the team, and you've got all these super users um, uh, in and you know being brought in in terms of engagement. But what are some of the great ways that you have seen other companies turning those audiences into communities? 
Yeah, I mean, I think like Notion's a good example of a company yeah. that's doing a great job of that now. They just had a lot of users who were creating content and same kind of idea. Like they were just organically, you know, trying to help each other. Uh, I think their community self-organized a, a subreddit that's now over 100,000 members in that subreddit. Um, and so they just, you know, started figuring out how to support that community and support the people who are organizing it. Um, you know, I think like an audience is a potential community. Community is built on trust. And if you have a strong, engaged audience, that means you've already built trust because they're already following you. They trust you to create valuable content. And so now when you say, hey, if you really enjoy our content and you trust us for that, then trust us when we say that, you know, we're creating a space for you to connect with each other that's going to be thoughtful, novel, curated. And um, we want to invite you to join us. If you have an audience, you you can absolutely convert it to a community. The one thing I would say, again, I would reiterate is to still start small. I think sometimes the temptation is we have 10,000 people in our newsletter. Let's invite all of them into our community at once. And again, you miss that opportunity to make you know the founding members feel really special, make it feel really curated to set a high bar of the quality of content and interaction in your space. And so even if you have a big audience, start small with your community and then compound growth it up. Don't just invite everyone into a room and hope that community just happens. You still have to be intentional about facilitating that space. Speaking of actually intentionality when it comes to curating that space, then you mentioned like community councils earlier. And I know that there's a, a bit of a difference between like a community council and a super user group. So like mm-hmm. what constitutes a good community council for businesses to build and why are they important for businesses to look at community councils in particular yeah so yeah the difference with a a power user program is essentially just like who are your most active users so it's like the yelp elite Uh, uh, yelp is a review you know a platform where you can review restaurants and bars Um, so they have the yelp elite program which is for the people who have written the most reviews for airbnb it's a super host program um, for eBay, it's the eBay power sellers. So it's like, who are your most active contributors and creators? You create programs for them that in a lot of ways may just be more of like a reward to continue to entice them to be really engaged, right? You invite them to exclusive events, you give them swag and perks, you provide them with additional education and access. Um, a council is where you're asking them to take an active role in helping you and helping guide the business and helping guide the product. It's often much smaller, right? Like you might have a hundred thousand or like Airbnb, like a million super users, um, but you may only have 10 people in a council because it's almost like a, a government model, right? It's their representatives of the larger community. Mm-hmm. Um, so the way lifted it in the U S they had 10 people in their first council and they just had people that were from different regions in the country. And so they had 10 people who represented a larger region in the country that they bring in, I think monthly, uh, Reddit does a council now as well. They do it monthly of their moderators. And, and you, you have an agenda, you uh, address things and concerns that they have, you bring questions and things that you want their feedback on to them. Um, and, and basically just have this regular recurring check-in usually in a meeting with that council as well as like asynchronous communication with them maybe there's a group for them to uh, keep talking to each other in between those council meetings 
Um, generally, they rotate out. So you might have a council go for like a year and then you rotate out and bring in new representatives. A lot of the time, a company will compensate those people since it is a big time commitment. And yeah, uh, that's generally how they're run. Awesome. I think it's a really great one for farmers to think of, as, especially as they scale, right, in terms of giving them direction about what their users, even if they're not super users, right, but people who represent a segment of their community would. Make yeah, them. I mean, you know, a, a very subtle thing that works in community is just like giving people a name. Um, so it's like instead of just like asking people for their feedback, why don't you call them like a council member? right? Just giving them a title, giving them a name makes them feel like they are a part of something and makes it feel more official, makes it feel more legitimate. Um, so you call it, call it like you're, do you want to be a founding member, right? That sounds different than do you want to join our community? It, it, it puts it in the context of like, you're giving them a status that, that is valuable to them. Um, so, you, you know, you could do the same exact things you're doing today, but just call people, you know, your, your founding council or your member council or your community council, whatever you want. And it will probably help you engage those people more and have them be more involved. Before I ask you my final question, and thank you so much for all of the wisdom. I think there are so much, so many examples that not only, I guess, our founders who are running businesses, but even people like me, you know, where it's more like ecosystem focused can take away. But, you know, where can people find you? Find me everywhere, mostly on Twitter. Uh, I tweet a lot. I'm at David Spinks on Twitter. Um, you can join the CMX community, cmxhub.com slash community. We'll give you the links to our Slack, our Facebook, and our pro community um, and our events. And I'm very active in all of our community spaces and always answering people's questions there. So you can always jump into CMX and get support from our community and from me there. Yeah, bevy.com is our site at Bevy and I'm very active in our communities there and helping companies launch their community event programs. And obviously, in addition to being able to find you in those spaces, everybody should also go out and purchase your book. <laughs> I hope they do. The reason it took me so long is because literally I tried to condense 13 years of my lessons into one book. Um, and my, my friend, Andrew Warner, who runs uh, the, he hosts a Mixergy podcast. He called it a textbook that's actually fun to read. Which I, I really liked that quote because yeah, I tried, it just like packed with like frameworks that the CMX team has developed over the years, examples, lessons I've learned over the years, um, just everything condensed into one guide that hopefully makes you feel a lot more confident in your ability to go out and build really successful communities for your business. Okay, well, final question for you. If you were starting your community from scratch today, where would you begin? Um, I mean, today it's a very different time. Like when we started CMX, like I said, it wasn't really an industry that people acknowledged. Um, it was like pulling teeth to get anyone to even like care about it and invest in it and consider it to be valuable. Um, no one was talking about it in like the VC and, and tech news world. And now it's everywhere, right? Like first round published their state of startups report. 80% of startups are investing in community and 28% consider it to be their moat and critical to their success. So it's like a wholly different game than when we started. Um, when we started, it was enough to just be like, this is a space for community professionals, uh, for community driven business. That was unique. That was novel enough because no one, it was, it was absurd to even say that at the time. Yeah. Now, if someone says that, 
then, you know, people say, well, there's CMX, there's the community roundtable, there's, um, there's a bunch of different community, there's a platform community for VCs, yeah. um, which I'm sure you know about platform VC. And um, there's communities for people in gaming, there's uh, community professionals in, in DevRel. So if I were starting it today, I would focus first on really honing in on what is the identity that I'm trying to serve that I really think is a gap that I'm really passionate about that isn't being served where people still feel a sense of isolation and Mm -hmm. loneliness and like they don't have a space to find people like them. Where in the world of community can I find that? And that would build a community for those people which frankly is something we, we're actively doing with CMX because I think communities need to continuously evolve. And it's not enough for us today to just say like, we're the community for everyone who builds community because you know now there's much more specific places that can provide more value. And so it's forcing us to think about like, how do we get more specific and more intentional about who we're focusing on as well? Yeah. And where would this community live? What platform? Yeah. Oh, you want me to choose a favorite child? <laughs> it's not a favorite child. I think it, it's um, to think where a fresh community would live. Fresh? Yeah, I mean, there, there's some, it really depends. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of Circle. There's a really cool new platform that's, that's become really powerful and, and popular. I think they did a good job of creating a space that feels very lightweight um, modern and takes kind of the best parts of Slack and Facebook and and gives you a space that kind of people know how to use but still feels fresh and, and unique. Um, that said, the ultimate trade-off that you have with platforms today is do you build your own, do you have your own that you that's like hosted on your own space, like a circle or um, or you know vanilla forums or uh, this disciple. Um, there's just like, there's a ton. I mean, there's hundreds of options now for um, your community platforms, discourse, very popular. Um, or do you build it on a platform that is plugged into a network already, like a Facebook group, a Slack, a Discord? Um, and the trade-off is, is clear. It's like, if you build on a platform that has a network, you can actually tap into that network as long as the algorithm still favors sending people to your community. You'll, yeah. you'll see organic engagement. And so we still have a Slack. We still have a Facebook group. Um, but you don't get the data you need to really track things properly. You don't have ownership over the content. And one day that, that company can change how they decide to show notifications. And all of a sudden, your community gets no engagement and you lose that connection. So it's you know a short-term versus long-term trade-off. I would probably start on something really simple where I could tap into network effects and then quickly move over into something like circle or disciple or one of those tools there we have it start somewhere simple and then stack them up and migrate them over yeah I mean like I would start with those simple tools too and then eventually probably move to a more enterprise platform that lets me connect it back to the customer data that I need to track things right because like I think circle disciple a lot of these tools they're nice and simple, but they, they're still not enterprise tools that's going to help you track like exactly what the ROI is of your community. I know they're all working on it, but I think it still has, has a ways to go. And so um, thinking about like the levels of, of community platforms, you basically have like free with that engagement piece, 
you have like the mid-level, which is very affordable uh, um, and you own it um, all the way up to enterprise. That's not affordable. It's expensive. But at that point, you, you're probably scaling up a community at a pretty high level for uh, an established enterprise. Well, thank you so much for joining me uh, on today's episode, David. It has been a masterclass and also a pleasure. It's great to hear all these great examples and have you take the time out. So really, really appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me.